0: Hi, I'm Dominic Insinius, Leader of the Heart. I want to welcome you to the Heart Podcast. Thank you for letting us be a small part in your journey of faith. I hope this message today encourages you and strengthens you. Big things can happen when we expect God to move, so I pray today that God would speak to you through this message. As you see, we're in a new message series called Heroin, And so what we've been doing is we've been taking some time. Each year we do a message series called At the Movies. And so for this message series, what we wanted to do is we wanted to look at strong female characters or actresses and to look at the lessons that we see in the movies and how they relate to us in our life. So guys, we did Denzel last year, so we're not leaving you out. Um, but this message series has been so much fun. Um, last week, we watched and looked at a league of their own and we talked through why it's not the critics who count in our lives and so this week I'm going to be inviting our dear friend Candace up. She's going to share with us today and I'm excited to hear from her. I'm excited for you to hear from her as well so why don't we bring her up. Thanks Crystal. Um, yeah hey everybody I'm Candice MacArthur. I um, want to tell you a couple things. I've got two kids, Gray and Owen, and honestly, most of the things I'm going to talk to you about today, my daughter Gray has taught me because she might be the most empowered woman I know. Um, true story we were going back to school shopping last year, um, perusing the Isles of Target, of course, and she and I have very different style. Let me just say that right now. I'm simple and neutral. She has glitter and rainbows and unicorns. And so we're like looking through the clothes and I'm like, what about this gray? And she's like, it's not my style, it's not my style. And I'm like, okay, but what about this one? Mom, it's not my style. And I kid you not, I'm gonna sing and this is really embarrassing, but she created a song in the middle of Target and said, you don't know my style, I'm gonna get my style. Literally walking through the aisles of Target. And so we came home with sequins and glitter and rainbows and all the things because that's what makes her happy so she is the most empowered person she's teaching me about what this means i'm also a therapist here in town i want to practice sparrows counseling i get a little hesitant to tell people that i'm not psychoanalyzing you i promise not like trying to read you maybe sometimes i am but not all the time um and i also want to come at this a little bit more honestly when dom had approached me to be a part of this series um, with you guys I was like you are asking the wrong girl buddy like I am NOT sitting here feeling like I'm empowered and I've got this most of the time I'm like failing rather than leading doubting rather than confident all those fun things um, so I want to tell you I'm not coming to you as an expert today I'm really coming at this like hey let's take this journey together and we'll see where we go um, so like Crystal said Summer of the Movies, I think is what this whole thing is called, and As Good As It Gets is the movie that we're going to talk about today. Um, I think this movie's like 20 years old, maybe. I should have done some more research on it. And just a forewarning, like maybe not the best pick for like a family movie night, but I'm not your boss, so do whatever you want. Um, but I wanted to talk about something a little, it's a little psychology lesson before we jump in. Um, you can use this with your coworkers tomorrow on Monday and sound really smart. So, there's this theory in development and growth in psychology called schemas. Okay, so I'm going to explain what schemas are, and I have a definition on the whatever that's called. Um, and I'm going to read it for you guys real fast. So, a schema is a cognitive framework or concept that helps organize and interpret information. Schemas can be useful because they allow us to take shortcuts in interpreting the vast about, amount of information that is available in our environment. So schemas are like our brain's way of like walking into a room and being like, oh, that's a person. I can, con- I'm like putting that together. So I have a person box and a- I have a social schema box and I have an object box. It's how you know a horse is not a dog, is not a cat, right? You have all these little boxes in your brain. Um, it is our brain's way to understand and interpret life. It's like a nice little shortcut. And I want to tell you that I had a schema of what a woman looked like in leadership or rather what a woman looked like who was allowed to be a leader. And so what I want to do today is talk about what my schema was before, and then hopefully we can take some time to talk about what maybe we could shift to. Cool? Our schemas, we all are, yeah, psychology, okay. So first things first, a woman that was allowed to lead or who seemed empowered, I'm going to put this in quotes because this is very quotable to me. She had it together and her life was not messy. A woman who was leading seemed to always have her stuff together. She was organized. She knew what she needed. She knew what she wanted to get done. She did it all, and she probably did it really, really well. She was always on top of things. She's the one that had the to-do list, and there was never boxes unchecked. If that makes sense? Um, She um, was very pretty. She was thin. She was nice. She was probably a boss somewhere, somehow. She probably drank green tea. She always had well-behaved kids and meal prepped always meal prepped on the weekends right and definitely had yoga happening because she had a balanced life of course um so never life is never messy she had it together the second part of my schema of what a woman who might have been allowed to lead look like was she never needed help she was fully capable um she was always on it she never asked for help instead she was always offering you help how can i help you what can i do she said yes to the pta I had never said yes to the PTA. She said yes to taking care of you. She said yes to helping with your projects. She um, seemed to handle everything really, really well, almost like a superwoman of sorts kind of thing. And um, she was there for you. She showed up and she probably had snacks because she was always prepared. Okay, and then the third kind of component of my schema is that she fixated on everyone else and what they needed. She was keenly aware of everyone else and what they needed probably before they themselves knew they needed it, if I'm being honest. Um, She is hyper-focused on others, and this hyper-fixation on others was actually celebrated by society. Look at her, she's so selfless, she's doing all the things, right? Like we celebrate this in women a lot. And so I wanna tell you, this is just my schema, to come back to that word, each of you probably have your own of what it has looked like for a woman who is allowed to lead or has led in your life. So mine is not yours, yours is not mine. So just take a note of like, maybe get a picture of what that might be like for you. Um, and just, you know, as I reviewed my list of my schemas, as I was preparing for this, I felt some feelings. So a therapist is always gonna bring up feelings just for a minute. This is the only time though today, okay? Then we'll put those away. Because um, That's what we do with our feelings. Um, I was exhausted, this is an exhausting list, like I could not do all those things, it's impossible. Um, I was a little mad, I'm like man, made me a little mad, which mad is a good feeling, just so you know, it's allowed. And then I was sad, okay, because it just felt like this woman, this person that I was trying to emulate, that I was trying to become was absolutely impossible, it was never going to happen. Um, And here's the thing, For some reason, the picture I held of a good woman, of a woman who was allowed to lead or got to lead or was somehow leading in some capacity, seemed to include becoming less and less of herself and just was making everybody happy. That's what she needed to do. This woman seemed like Superwoman, but here's what I really came to believe. This woman had no idea who she was and nobody really knew her either. Um, There's a writer I love, her name is Glennon Doyle. Maybe Google her, maybe don't, yes, okay, yeah. Um, and she says this, we have lived as if she who disappears the most loves the most. We have been conditioned to prove our love by slowly ceasing to exist. And this was my schema. This is what I believed about women. This is what I believed was my like duty and what I was supposed to do. Um, and a lot of that changed about two years ago, and that just started unraveling. Um, and here's the thing, schemas are awesome until they're not awesome, because they work really well until you get new information. So when you're a little kid and you're learning about animals, a little, an animal that has four legs and ears is a dog. That's what you see, it's dog, right? But that kid sees a horse, but calls it dog because he doesn't know that there's other things out there right? So he's getting new information. He's like, oh, there's a dog and then I have a horse, right? Okay. So I started getting a in new information. I started taking in information about what it meant to not only just be a woman, but what it meant to be human. And the way I was looking to live was not human, in my opinion. Um, so we have a choice. We drown out the new information, and just go into denial and ignore it, which a lot of us do really, really well, myself included or we have to form a new schema. We have to create something new. We have to make a new box for this. Um, So I slowly began forming a new box, a new schema for what it looked like to not just be an empowered woman, but empowered person. Because here's the deal. Like, take out the woman part of it. This is just what it means to be human and empowered human. That's what we're trying to do here. So um, we're gonna try and shift a little bit, maybe even create a new box for each of you. And we're gonna look at it through the lens of As Good As It Gets, and then later on through um, a part of scripture. So let me give you like a little rundown on the movie. So we have Carol, who's played by Helen Hunt. She is the leading lady of this movie. And honestly, the beginning of the movie, she would check probably every box of my original schema. This woman is like 100% locked in on her son and his health. And that's like all she cares about. That's what she's doing. Um, She um, takes care of business. She seems like superwoman. She really has no idea who she is and has no space or time to figure that out because she's too busy with everything else. Um, And her mother is constantly like, let me help you, let me help you, and she just pushes it away. I got it, I got it, and I, I could probably do it better than you, right? So she's got it. Carol gives up everything for the sake of her kid to a point where she completely loses herself and like I said earlier, I think sometimes the mark of a hero or a heroine or someone who's in leadership is um, that we just become selfless and they sacrifice everything. That to be good, we have to be worth something, to be allowed to lead, we have to completely lose ourselves in the process. And we see this happening with Carol. We see this ha- we don't know who she is. We know that she's a mom. We know that she has a sick kid. We know she's a waitress for a really long time. That's about the extent that we know about her. So what happens? So Carol Helen Hunt meets Melvin, Jack Nicholson. Um, He's he's a good one. Um, And I don't know how to describe Melvin. Um, Grumpy, very, very grumpy, very mean. Um, He struggles with OCD and so his way to manage it is to just put up all these rules and rigid things and consistency and all that, right? And so these two people collide in a restaurant where Carol's the waitress and Melvin gets his breakfast at the same table every morning at the same time every day. And um, as we see this relationship unfold, what we see in Carol, she starts to shift. She goes through a change, she transforms. We see her start to come out of hiding from behind her son's story, from behind her son's illness. We see her start to receive help from others. She actually receives, it's a long story, go watch the movie. but receives money in some capacity to help pay for the bills. We see her relating to people more directly and honestly. Half the time I was like, Carol, you are kind of mean, but it's fine. Um, And we see her life get pretty messy, and she allowed for it and that's what's really cool. So we are going to see the shift, and what I wanna say is that when her empowerment took place, it was not when she was hiding behind her son's story. Her empowerment took place when she stepped into her own life when she received help and she began practicing honesty. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna start to create our own our new schema, okay? There's three things that I think we can do to create a different relationship towards leadership and empowerment. Okay, the first thing Carol does is she practices honesty. Um, So to move to a place of empowerment, we get to practice honesty. Um, We see Carol become more and more honest with Melvin over time. She shares about her son, she talks about his illnesses, all that kind of stuff. We see her talk about her inability to keep up with it all. She quits going to work at some point and, and, and she lets people know that. Um, instead of hiding and keeping her mess as closed off from others as possible, she starts to open herself up as she is. I'm a mess. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't make it, right? Um, honesty became the hallmark and one of the ways she started to live into her story. And we, she emerged not just as her son's mother, but as Carol. Carol started taking shape at this point. Um, There's a story told in three of the four Gospels, and I just want to be honest. I have a complicated relationship with the Bible, and so when I open it up, it's like, oof, how do I do this? But these are the stories, recorded stories of Jesus and what he did and what he was like, and so we're going to talk briefly about a story that's in three of the four Gospels. Um, It's about a woman, and she had been bleeding for 12 years. She was really sick and was really desperate to get help and couldn't get help. Nobody could help her. Um, she was not okay. And in this moment of desperation, there's like this big crowd and she's like, if I could just touch Jesus, he might help. So she like, I don't know what she does, but she like crawls under and like touches his rope. That's all she does. And, um, apparently she's healed. She stops bleeding right away. And what happens though, the crazy thing is Jesus is like, somebody touched me. Like, he knew that in the midst of this crowd, somebody reached out for me. And he's like, who wasn't? And he's looking for her. And I think she had this moment of, like, do I tell him it was me? Do I come forward and say, I was the one, right? Do I come out honestly? And she does this. She steps out from behind the shame of being sick and and struggling for so long, from behind managing her pain, and comes forward. And we see this in Luke 8. This is the response um, from Jesus. Luke 8, 47 through 48, yeah. When the woman realized that she couldn't remain hidden, she knelt trembling before him in front of all the people. She blurted out her story, why she touched him, and how at the same moment she was healed. And I love this response from Jesus. Daughter, you took a risk trusting me, and now you're healed and whole. Live well and live blessed. And coming forward and being honest that it was her, Jesus looks at her and blesses her. In our honesty, we find well-being because we're not caught in the trap of keeping it all together anymore we don't do well at keeping it all under wraps. Everything's not fine. You're human. I, can tr- I promise you, it's not all fine. Um, so in this interaction with Jesus, we see him tell this woman that in her honesty, and her risk, and her coming forward, that's what opened up healing in a whole life. Honesty is a gateway to empowerment. It's a gateway towards taking up space and living into our lives. So that's the first way. The second way that we see Carol move and shift towards this place of empowerment is she starts to practice the setting of boundaries and knowing her limits. So in in, in moving to our place of empowerment, we can set boundaries and know our limits. Um, I could spend 10 hours on boundaries. We could have coffee if you want, or I could give you my business card later and we could talk about it in therapy. Just let me know. (laughs) But um, Carol learns to say no she says no a lot. She is like, I'm like, man, you say no a lot, girl. She sets limits. She tells Melvin, get out, leave, go away. She's like, I'm not putting up with you, right? She sets limits. She is direct. And so sometimes I talk about boundaries as like drawing a line around yourself and knowing where you start and where you stop. So you're like, this is who I am and this is who I'm not. And we see Carol do that. Um, All of us have different relationship with boundaries and things like that. Some of us are like, boundaries are awesome. I get to stay away from all the people, right? And some people are like, boundaries are horrible. I'm a mean person if I set those. So each of us have like a different relationship with boundaries. Um, However, what I would like to suggest is that the healthiest and most empowered people live within their boundaries, and they know their limits because they're connected to their sense of who they are and who they're not. Um, They are moving from a place of what's best and wise for them. And I want to just make a point here. I didn't say right and wrong for them. I said best and wise, which is, again, another whole other conversation we could have another day. But um, there's a quote from a therapist. Her name is Bethany Webster. She describes boundaries like this. Having healthy boundaries involves being connected to your worth, being anchored to your own center of truth, and being willing to communicate with those around you authentically. It's a skill that can be learned, practiced, and refined over time. When we start to set boundaries and live within our limits, we can begin to connect with our true selves instead of a false self, right? Of like always having it together and doing all the things and saying yes, and blah, blah, blah. And that's what empowerment looks like. Just so you know, I, I like looked up Webster, the definition of empowerment, because I wanted to make sure I was teaching you guys the right thing. Um, and it's this, having the knowledge, confidence, means, or ability to do things or make decisions for one's self. So in knowing ourselves and knowing where we start and knowing where we stop and knowing our limits, we actually move towards a place of empowerment because we're making decisions that come from an internally connected place. I know who I am and I know what decision I'm going to make right now. Okay, so the third way, the third kind of movement we're gonna make, what we see happening in Carol's life, um, in her taking a place of empowerment, she begins to own her story. And what's the beautiful thing that happens there is she then invites other people to do the same thing. So if you've seen the movie, like the most quintessential line of the movie, maybe you could say it with me in a minute. I'd be really excited if you could. This would be wonderful. Um, They're sitting at dinner. Carol says, Melvin, pay me a compliment. Tell me something good about myself, about me. And he like fumbles for a minute, and then he says this famous line, you make me want to be a better man. I saw some of you mumble. It's good, good. Okay. First off, wow, that's really nice. That's like the best compliment ever, right? All the women are like, yes, that's right. Um, But here's the thing, we actually see this play out. Like, Melvin was not nice, right? But he like starts taking care of his neighbor's dog, and he starts, um, he puts bacon in his pockets to take care of the dog, it's a whole thing. Um, He talks about how he didn't want to take medication to manage his OCD at the beginning of the story, Um, but he starts to take it again to manage his health. Um, And guys, this is what empowerment is about. This is why empowerment is so crucial. Not just for women, but for humans. Because when we shift to a posture of empowerment, it eventually empowers other people to do the same thing. When Carol owned her story, when she was honest, when she moved away from living behind her son's life and his sickness, um, and when she showed up authentically, it created an invitation for other people in her sphere to do the same thing and invited Melvin to take ownership of his life and his story and make changes that led him to have a healthier and better life. I'm sure you've heard the phrase, and I hate this phrase as a therapist, so just like don't repeat this ever, but hurt people hurt people. It's really like, just don't say that. Um, But I'm going to give you a new one today. Empowered people empower people. That's what happens. This is what we see in and through the life of Jesus. I'm going to circle back to the story of the woman that had been bleeding. Um, He tells her to go and live well, remember that? That was like, that's his like charge to her. And we don't have, I'm gonna imagine here for a moment, but I just wanna imagine what her life was like after that encounter with Jesus. I'm imagining that that woman did not hide another day in her home. I'm imagining that woman like went up and talked to people. And I imagine that when she talked to people, she told that story of what Jesus did and what he said to her over and over and over again. And I imagine her living well invited others to live well, to live free, to live holy, right? So this is empowerment. Jesus empowered her. He sent her off to live well. And so I'm going to close with this. I have to close with Brene Brown. I know Crystal's a Brene girl, and, you know, Brene and I are on a first-name basis. So um, there's a book that she wrote. I thought it was just me. Highly recommend. Um, it's about shame. Super fun. Super fun. And she talks about in this book two types of power. She talks about the concept of power over and then the concept of real power. And I'm gonna define power over. Power over is this idea of using your power to control people and to take advantage of others. In this type of power, the power is finite, it's limited. So like if you take some power, there's less power available for me to have, right? It's very transactional in that way. Um, And this is the dangerous form of power. And I honestly think that sometimes when we think about empowerment or power, this is what we imagine. And most women are like, I don't want that. That's that's bad, right? So that's not empowerment, just to let you know. (laughs) Her definition of real power, and what for our sake today empowerment is this. It's the ability to change something if you want to change it. It's the ability to make change happen. And real power is unlimited. Y'all, when we are in the business of empowering ourselves and others, there is always enough power to go around. There is no lack and we get to create real power because it's from an internal place. We're not grabbing it externally in any way, shape or form. And this is what we're doing in the work of empowering people. We have to start with ourselves. It is an internal job. That's what this is, it's an inner work. And when created through being honest rather than hiding, we allow space for the mess rather than asking for help. We set limits and hold boundaries rather than fixing on everyone else and what they need all the time. And we own our stories rather than living behind someone else's. Empowered people empower people. I'm going to pray. God, thank you so much that you are, you entered in and you just said, I'm going to empower you. That you did not say, here's a formula and do it and just follow my rules. You said, I want you to be your most free and true self. Um, and that Jesus was the hallmark of that. So, I just ask that we would all know what that means in our lives today. Show us a step we could take in this process of owning our true selves, owning our stories, living honestly, and not hiding. In your name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Heart Podcast. At the Heart, our mission and goal is to connect people to the heart of God. If you would like to pursue a relationship with Jesus Christ, please visit us at www.theheart.church for more information. If today's message connected with you, we want to invite you to share it with someone who might benefit from it. And if you live near San Marcos, Texas, we'd like to invite you to visit us this Sunday morning, where we have two experiences for you to choose from at 9.30 and 11 a.m., all happening at the Spot Cinema House and Eatery. Remember to be bold this week and connect with those around you. It's how our relationships grow and how your faith grows.